Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Marilyn, are you ready? I am, George. Excellent. Well, I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. Marilyn just is a PhD. She is an author, a speaker, an educator, and an acclaimed researcher. I'm excited to have you on. Marilyn, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. <laughs> Thank you so much for here. Uh, in terms of my background, I was, uh, oh, I guess born in the South, moved around quite a bit, um, settled, my family settled in the D.C. area when I was entering high school, and then I, um, you know, had an early career doing a variety of different things and finally stumbled my passion, uh, got recruited to come out here to University of Washington and Seattle U at um, in Seattle, and I've been here for about 30 years now. Uh, I love kind of, uh, you know, trying to keep a healthy lifestyle, do a little bit of cycling, uh, some golf, uh, stained glass, play guitar, you know, try to keep a little bit of balance going. In terms of uh, my work, I'm passionate about leaders and leadership formation. I've worked primarily with executive uh, MBA programs and management development programs, both uh, privately and through universities for about the last 25 years and have seen uh, kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I like to emphasize the good. So I'm I'm passionate about trying to help people do that better. Well, amen to all of that. And with those interests, I think that you've done a pretty good job, at least it sounds like, finding uh, finding a lot of balance. I don't, I don't know that I've ever spoke to somebody who's into uh, stained glass. Yeah, it's fun. It cuts up your hands a little bit, but I, I bet. Uh, you, you know, it's it's just such an absorbing process that it clears your mind. Uh, just making beautiful artwork. Yeah, I imagine that is very meditative. You just right into the work. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, very cool. All right, so the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I, I 100% believe that. If you do anything for long enough, you're, you're probably going to discover that. Um, as we are speaking right now, um, do you have hope for the future? What, what is, what's, what's really top of mind for you right now? Well, we're, we're clearly in the run-up to the election, and I think we have uh, two at the you know national president level, certainly two very different candidates, lots of open positions uh, going down from there at the Senate, the House, lots of monitoring by businesses that are curious about what direction we may be, be headed uh, financially, certainly relevant to the work that you're doing. So, yeah, do I have hope? I certainly have hope, um, partly because I'm an optimist, George. <laughs> Amen. Got it. Um, well, it's there's so many interesting things going on. And just for level setting for our listeners, we're having this conversation on October the 19th. So odds are the uh, the election will, will have taken place, um, and nobody knows what's really going to happen with that. 
but more importantly, well, I don't know if it's more important on on a, on a separate note, Marilyn. Um, going through COVID, um, I know that we're going to be experiencing the impact of of this, and not just from a health standpoint, but from you know, I, I depending depending on what you read. Um, women in the workplace are, are having to, to step back at really alarming numbers. And I think that, um, and I don't know, no, that doesn't necessarily um, go to what you're really working on necessarily, but, but I'm, 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 I'm sure that, that there's elements to it. Um, but how are you looking and, and, and thinking about that? Well, I think certainly uh, there's enough data that we've read, uh, you know, about the differential impact of COVID on, you know, different people. Some of us are barely feeling it beyond, you know, needing to work from home and uh, not being able to get out and do lots of things we like to do. But others have been impacted tremendously. And one of those, uh, of course, is women who, um, you know, either occupy uh, positions that, have been laid off or they may be working from home, but they also have children at home schooling now and they're trying to uh, juggle, you know, that sort of uh, work with the kids <laughs> as well as their own needs. So pretty significant uh, impact. You know, the way in which it ties into my work, as, as you know, I, I write about leader humility. Mm-hmm. I just wrote and published a book called The Extraordinary Power of Leader Humility. It's kind of counterintuitive because people think of humility as, in some cases, maybe they think of it as a meekness or a weakness for leaders, but it's really quite the opposite. And I, I, you know, I use the analogy of if we look out, we think the earth is flat, uh, but it's counterintuitive. The earth is actually round. And in a similar way, leader, leader humility is actually extraordinarily powerful when we think about COVID and just the differential burdens that people are struggling with, all of us are struggling. And if you're in a management or leadership position, uh, the way I'm defining humility is a tendency to, you know, to feel and display a deep regard for others' dignity. And so the connection here is the need to be mindful that people are not uh, in the same place that they were, you know, six, eight months ago. Uh, and that we're all feeling this strain in different ways, and you have to lead and manage people somewhat differently. Well said. This, the, I was just going to refer to dignity as an idea, but what mm-hmm. I, 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 I feel like we've lost some of that. I feel like I, I feel like we're doing a bad job at at things like empathy and dignity. What do you think about that? I think we have. Uh, dignity, to me, is a person's sense of self-worth. We all have that. We need that. And nobody's dignity is better than another. I mean, I might feel good about some things I've done in my life or I've acquired, but that doesn't mean my uh, dignity, my sense of self-worth uh, is better than yours. And whatever it is about you that you feel and pride over deserves to be respected and honored. And I think a lot of our um, tendency over the last several years to, uh, you know, be disrespectful of other people uh, is really violating others' dignity. And from a leadership standpoint, you don't get followers that way. You lose people. 
you lose them, you know, to an even greater extent if you violate their dignity in a big way. So, you know, insulting people, um, you know, excluding them from conversations. I mean, there are lots of ways in which leaders uh, can damage the dignity of other people. And I think even just in terms of how we, you know, talk to each other sort of peer to peer, uh, socially, casually, we've we've lost a lot of respect for dignity lately. And I I, I, I don't want to be clumsy, but without question, the middle has been lost in the sort of debate on politics. It's either you know left or right, and there's no more. Doesn't seem like that the, there's a lot of moderates. If you were to watch the news, you are and have been working within companies and, and, and seeing it really really on the ground, do you find that that's also the case? You know, actually, and this goes back to your early question of do I, do I have hope? I have hope because I think most people are actually more moderate. <laughs> and I think they're uncomfortable in, in talking about it because there's uh, a fair amount of dominance by the extremes, whether that's you know the extreme on one end or the other, and it's and it's somewhat noisy in that extreme, and so it's really kind of made people who have more moderate views uh, keep quiet. They've been doing a lot of listening. Maybe they've been talking in their own little groups, um, but I don't think that they've gone away. And so what'll be interesting uh, is to see whether we can reclaim that voice but i don't think most people really do fall at the extremes i think i i i think that you're right and do you, and and what i've sort of discovered and been talking and thinking a lot about is how many people are afraid to 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 communicate about it because for fear of 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 making a misstep and getting canceled or being called or labeled a certain thing, is that even more cause for for our leaders to step up? Yes, because, you know, when you talk about the cancel culture or, you know, when people feel they'll be called out or labeled, which is sort of a form of bullying, what you're doing is violating their dignity, and that's where this fear comes from, this fear of engaging in you know, being comfortable sharing what it is that I feel if it disagrees with you. You know, if you dial back uh, our social context, you know, going back a few years, people could have differing opinions but talk about them. And we've we've lost the ability to do that uh, because there has been such um, violation of dignity in, in the, the conversation. So... I think there's a really powerful role for leaders to step up and display dignity and to remind all of us that, um, you know, people have and need that sense of dignity. And so if our leaders are humble enough to listen, to um, take a stance that says everybody is important, uh, we need to have a conversation, we've got some really thorny problems that we need to resolve both you know domestically and globally i mean climate change is not a domestic issue it's a global one but we certainly have uh challenges domestically we need to address you know our our social problems with you know racial injustice uh still are not resolved we've got issues of immigration we've got 
certainly major economic uh, problems right now with, and you know, that's, that's not uniform across industries. Some are doing pretty well, but you know, transportation, hospitality have been hit really hard with COVID. Uh, brick and mortar retail has been hit really hard. So, you know, we have lots of problems economically that we need to write. And I think doing all of these is going to require people coming together, talking with each other, working together, collaborating. And you get much more of that when your leaders uh, display the humility that, that you know, sort of um, respects other people's dignity so that they're willing to come forward and give their best as opposed to shrinking back. Yeah, I, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Is it, is it that the, the leader doesn't plant a flag and say, this is what we believe in? Or no. it's, it's, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were finished. No, I the, think the leaders do need to plant a flag, but I think the flag needs to include um, a compelling vision, you know, and I think with that vision, it needs to include a set of behaviors that uh, respect the dignity of others. So one of the, the greats, you know, people have said this may be the best business leader we've had in the last 20 years. I've, I've said that uh, on LinkedIn a couple of days ago, and someone commented back that the time frame was too short, meaning maybe it's more like 30, 40 years. But that would be Alan Mulally, who, you know, did the major turnaround of Ford Motor Company uh, during the Great Recession a decade ago. And we have many elements of that in our economic climate now, uh, even though the cause is different. But, you know, what Mulally did was to really create a compelling vision about one Ford. And if you were to think about that, you know, in terms of our, uh, you know, national environment, it would be, you know, there's one U.S. We have a constitution, for example, that says that, you know, we, we basically are one union out of, you know, differing states. But, you know, with some, some vision that says, say, liberty and justice for all. Well, if you, if you look at what Malali did in creating the one Ford plan and then getting everybody to buy into that, uh, he did that in part by creating what he calls expected behaviors. And among those were things like people first, love them up, respect and include everybody. And he actually walked that talk and it galvanized a company of 300,000 people to turn that organization around relatively quickly without federal bailout money. And he did that um, in part, I mean, it was amazing when he walked into the company, they were losing, they lost 17 billion the year he, he finally came in. And he managed to turn that company around into you know, the strongest US brand at the time best in sales, and so forth. So I think leaders do have to plant a flag around, a, you know, a, a, a vision that is uh, encompassing all stakeholders. Uh, and at the same time, they have to plant a flag around how we're going to behave in working toward that vision. That makes all the sense in the world. So this is our, this is our shared vision as, as, yeah. Americans, Ford Motor Company, the the just family. This is this this is what our vision is. This is and 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 everyone's welcome, 
and these are the behaviors that that we're going to hold one another accountable to. Absolutely. And and to walk that talk yourself as a leader, to hold yourself, to hold the leadership team accountable, the whole leadership team, uh, you know, to call people out when they are violating that, to take the action. I mean, part of the leader's responsibility is to to take the actions that hold everyone, including the leadership team, accountable and responsible uh, for that vision and for the behaviors. If you don't do that, people very quickly realize that um, that's just talk. That's mm-hmm. not how <laughs> that's not how those in power really um, are behaving. And so people then um, move into their their various cubby holes to just get along and do what they have to do. But in the process, they're leaving a lot of themselves behind, and you're not getting their best energies. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. It's just a paper tiger or some BS talking yep. point that people are just going to check the box that, that they have to and, 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 and carry on doing what, what, what whatever it is that they were probably doing before. So um, we'll just keep using the case study, or, or you can use a different one. How, does, how, how did uh, Alan Mulally demonstrate humility? Um, if you, if you've ever had a chance to meet it, he is, uh, he, he's an amazing individual who just, um, you know, grew up believing that, you know, everybody was important. Nobody was, uh, lesser than he is. And he, he just, um, lives and operates and leads in a way, uh, that makes everybody feel that. And so he's been described by some as having a heart of gold and a spine of titanium. Mm. But I think what you see is that there's no weakness about it. There's no meekness. There is no reduced standards. His standards are very high. uh, And he had a rigorous way of implementing progress on that plan, you know, with regular weekly meetings with everybody uh, in his leadership team around the world. But at the same time, there were these norms about how we're going to communicate. And so, uh, you know, that's what he did. Another example, you know, I talk about some part of what I did in the book was to interview um, a dozen leaders of fairly big brand companies and across multiple industries. Um, And, you know, to get their views on leader humility and you know, another one I interviewed was Jim Senegal, co-founder and CEO for many, many years of Costco Retail. And they grew that company into the global behemoth that they are without paid advertising. They got a lot of media attention, most of which was positive, but they believed in just delivering value. And when I when I talk with people who worked for Senegal, I would hear things like, you know, he doesn't even have a reserved parking space. He'll pick up a piece of paper on the floor, you know, and, and when you talk to him, he, he's a man who will just say arrogance is like a cancer. You don't need braggadocio. You just behave in the right ways. You behave to respect people. You, you know, you set wages that provide for, you know, decent earnings and, and people will do, and you tell them to do what's right for the customer. And they do. They build the business for you. You can't do it by yourself. Love it. Well, Marilyn, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? <laughs> <laughs> My difference-making tip would be that 
We need to remember that everyone has a sense of dignity, a need for self-worth, and that if we're interacting with them, particularly when we're leading and we have power, that we need to have the humility to support that dignity. We can, we can certainly set high standards, but we can do it in a way that doesn't tear people down. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets Come on. Come on. Marilyn, thank you, thank, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the book? So the book, The Extraordinary Power of Leader Humility, is available wherever you buy books, Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, you can also go to my website, which is www.marilyngist.com, and uh, I have a page there with multiple retail outlets that uh, you can click through to. So. Uh, love to have people take a look at the site. It talks a lot about leader humility and provides more background on me. So thank you so much, George. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Marilyn your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to MarilynGist.com. That's M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-G-I-S-T. And check out all the great resources and pick up a copy of the book as well. Thank you again, Marilyn. Thank you so much, George. Have a great day. You as well. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. Absolutely. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.